Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies. Held on Fridays in May, each film touches upon Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, including Goya or the Hard Way to Enlightenment and the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie at NortonSimon.org. You have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from Alleist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes, too, when you donate now at laist.com slash sweeps. LAist Studios. From LES Studios, this is How to LA. I'm Brian De Los Santos. Yesterday, we talked about the lasting impacts of the Woolsey Fire. Well, today, we've got another fire story. But this time, it's one of community. It's a story from producer Evan Jacoby about a landscape that was ravaged by a different fire, the Bobcat Fire of 2020. So we're here at the very top of Mount Wilson. Are we doing testing or am I talking right now? Well, <laughs> we're test, doing test, testing test, and test, you're talking right now. And I'm just, just going to just... So yeah. this is me and our climate emergency reporter, Aaron Stone, in the parking lot on top of Mount Wilson. Is that our transmitter? I think KPCC has a transmitter. Oh, yeah. Here. Hey, transmitter. <laughs> okay, come on, public radio. Don't know if I'm ready for six miles today. We'll see what we're in for. It's a mental game, right? Yeah, do it for the transmitter. All right, so I know you have a story for us, and I want to know about it. What's up? So one of my favorite things about L.A. is our access to nature. Trails that roll their way deep into the mountains, dodging slabs of granite and California oak and pine. Maybe a little creek if you're lucky enough. Okay, we get it. (laughs) Okay, it's a little poetic, sure. But I really do think our mountains are some of the most beautiful in the world. But somehow the trails themselves were something I always took for granted. Like I knew they were man-made additions to the natural landscape and all that. But I never really thought more about who puts them there beyond something something National Park Service. Honestly, my attention is usually captivated by the space I'm hiking through, not the trail I'm walking on. The only time I really have given it any thought is when a trail closes down. As the Bobcat fire actively burns in steep terrain of the Angeles National Forest on the north side of the fire. 100,000 acres. The numbers tonight are just stunning as firefighters continue this stubborn fight against the Bobcat fire. We're here in Valermo. A trail that's just completely buried and gone can't be safely used anymore. It can take 30 to 40 years for a watershed to stabilize where we can keep trails and roads and things like that available. Mother Nature has her way of reorganizing the furniture. So she'll come out, rearrange the chairs and the sofas how she likes it. And then we come out and we're like, well, we kind of like it like this. And we rearrange the furniture. And then she comes back out and rearranges it the way she wants it. A few months ago, a How Do LA listener put me in touch with a group of volunteers that spend their free time restoring the trails after they're destroyed by fire and flood. This one's solid right here. So I think if we can move that one, see that movement there, that gives us a little bit of hope that if we dig that lower one out. We worked on Condor, West Fork. We're here today and just making sure that it's actually sustainable for a longer period of time. 
And that's the story I want to tell you today. How this crew of 19 volunteers, including me and Aaron, came out on a Saturday to rebuild the thing that I'd always taken for granted, our trails. Okay, wait, you're building trails on a Saturday when you usually don't work, holding a jackhammer yourself? (laughs) No, not quite, but I'll tell you all about it. Cool. Anyone else need work gloves? I would take a pair of gloves. We'll split up the teams right now and divvy out the tools. This is your pile here. Okay. This is Matt Baffert. He's the CEO of Low Lifes, the group we're out here with today. Thank you all for coming out. I want to go over a little bit of safety things before we get out there, especially for the folks that are new to trail work. Number one, first and foremost. Matt kind of looks like, I want to say almost exactly what you'd expect a volunteer trail builder to look like. If you imagine like an ad for Carhartt in Outdoor Woodsman magazine, oversized green t-shirt, loggers boots, a giant orange handlebar mustache. He's standing over three big piles of hand tools. We're going to be swinging these tools. They're super long. They're big. So communication is going to be a key thing with safety today. We're actually going to have crews stacked on top of each other. So we can't just go tossing rocks off the side of the trail because there could be a crew down below working on you. First thing Matt did is break us up into three teams, beginners, intermediates, and experts. He put me and Aaron where you'd expect with the beginners. You guys are all with Rob. All right, everyone who needs a hard hat, you can grab one here. Pickaxes. Hose, shovels, different types of rakes. And then you guys are gonna push down quite a ways further. Okay. There's another kind of rock tunnel down there with a few really awfully placed rocks that have fallen kind of on the edge of the trail that we're gonna try and manipulate around. The trail we're working on today is called the Kenyan Devore Trail in the Angeles Forest. It leads right into the former path of the Bobcat Fire. We're looking for a flag, hopefully I haven't passed it. The fire itself burned over 100,000 acres of forest land, but most of the damage to the trail came from what happened next. There's some areas that received, I think, close to 60 inches of precipitation in the last year. What's the average in town? 14, 15 inches in LA City. So when you get 60 inches on the same kind of terrain, like there's some areas that are unrecognizable from before. It's just entire like sort of ravines that are scoured of all the soil down to bedrock. My name is Rob Pedersen, a board member with Low Life's Respectable Citizens Club, out here this morning on the top of Mount Wilson, getting ready to do trail work. By the way, in case you're wondering, the Low Lifes get their name from Mount Low, another nearby mountain. But there's a little extra meaning behind it too. The three of us are mountain bikers, and, and in some ways, mountain bikers were looked at as the dirt bags and the low lifes of the outdoors community, and it's a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek name. Sort of, uh, the low lifes are given back. Oh, that's cute. I thought so too. Oh. So, for anyone who's unfamiliar with the San Gabriel Mountains, first of all, you should definitely go. Picture huge, scraggly chunks of granite jutting out of steep, sandy slopes, big groves of pine and oak. Every now and then, a bald patch with cacti and desert shrubs. It's one of the steepest mountain ranges in the country, also one of the fastest rising due to earthquakes and fastest crumbling due to erosion. Along the trail with Rob, we pass a spread of blackened oak trees. So this is all burned in the bobcat. You can see the understory is coming back, but decades past, there were more oaks and more evergreens out here. And anytime a fire comes through, they re-sprout and regrow, but there's fewer of them each time 
as the chaparral starts taking over the high country. This process Rob's describing is kind of the long-term change to the landscape here as forests gives way to chaparral, those patches of cacti and shrubs. So we're walking past a trail that looks pretty good. We've restored all of this and this is more or less up to our standards. Relatively wide, not too many plants growing in the middle, not too many rocks. So yeah, this is all trail that's mostly in good shape. It's not too long though, before we start to see some of the less good shape parts of the trail. Are they connected here? Some of the advance team is already here. They're huddled around this giant boulder in the middle of the trail, trying to chop it in half. This rock is taking up trail, so forcing trail users to be on the outside here, and this is obviously a little treacherous, right? So if we can get rid of this rock, we can move the trail back there and make a nice, you know, pad that people can roll through. My name is Ross Hirsch. I'm out here a volunteer trail worker. Uh, Today I'm working with the Low Life's Respectable Citizens Club. We're looking here at a one ton-ish or so rock, and my task right now is to get this sucker off the trail. Ross says clearing out these massive boulders, it's not really a rare project for this trail. You could get frustrated. It's like, well, what are we doing all this work for if if it's all just going to get rained on and washed away? Well, we do... We do keep it for several months, maybe a season or two, so. It's a constant conversation, right? It's a constant, (laughs) yeah, constant conversation. That's exactly what it is. It's so satisfying to just watch this Volkswagen-sized boulder roll down the hill. And then you you, you can't see it anymore, but you can still hear it going down. It's like, that's a lot of force, a lot of Mother Nature just exerting pressure in the forest. It's pretty amazing. You don't need the chainsaw right. if you've got a ton If of you've got big rocks and big muscles. Yeah. It feels like Sisyphus pushing a rock up a mountain, right? Like it's like... But it should, shouldn't it? I mean, right. if they Why were permanent it? changes, then right. we would be having a detrimental impact on the landscape. Right. I mean, a freeway isn't Sisyphusian, but I wouldn't argue that a freeway is better for the environment than a trail. Yeah, maybe that's just part of it. Maybe that's just part of living in this place and we have to change our approach to change. So Aaron and I got a little distracted by the boulder chopping team. We got a little separated from our group. So we're off to catch up. Smells so good, feels like fall right here. Along the way, we keep running into little pockets of volunteers with their own tasks cutting off spines of yucca plants or clearing out poison ivy patches, digging out chunks of hillsides so there's more space for bikers to dodge the trees. Everyone we talked to had their own reasons for being there. Everybody's out here for, they have different motivation, different reasons for coming out to trail work, but everybody's here for trails and coming together for something, which is pretty darn cool. You just got all these different people, different motivations but ultimately one mission. My name's Eric Hillard. I'm a treasurer CFO of Low Lifes. Trailwork for me, it's like an antidepressant. Being out here doing all this stuff, it changes me. I go home exhausted and I feel better. Begs the question of, you know, what role do normal citizens, normal people play in just stewardship of the lands that we love and use so much? Right after a quick break. Now I'm doing it right, but... 
missed the lesson. And we did miss the lesson a little bit. Aaron and I finally catch up with our beginner team. So you want to get the organic matter off first, like all the acorns and stuff. And we catch up with the Forest Service to find out why all this volunteer work is really necessary. I think most government agencies that you ask would say we could use more funding. What increasing role are volunteer groups playing in terms of trail restoration? Well, they've become far more important. Stick around. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Pindarvis Harshaw, host of the Right Nowish podcast. Every week, I talk to the people who are creating art and culture and spreading it to the universe. As an artist, you always meet yourself. Every year, you're a different person. Essentially, we normalize a space where you can show up as your authentic self. Check out Right Nowish, rooted in California's Bay Area, speaking to you. It's so many people of color, so many queer people. It's like I'm being celebrated in my fullness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Alleyist has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite L.A. restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAist.com events. Hello, hello. <laughs> About a mile down the trail, Chop and drag. Aaron and I caught up with the rest of the beginner squad. If you haven't really used them before, there's sort of a few different grips. There's sort of like forehand grip. Rob, our team captain, is showing us first-timers how to re-bench, basically cutting a fresh trail surface into the hillside and digging overgrown plants out of the rock. It's a holly or an oak. Just scrape that out. Bye-bye. Can you tell me your name and why you're here today? My name is Maura O'Neill. I'm here because I run on these trails, so I was looking for a group to kind of get more involved in trail work and learn more. Yeah. So are you here selfishly or selflessly? Selfish. (laughs) For the trails. For me. After hiking down another mile or so, we meet up with the third crew, Eric, Matt, and some workers with the Forest Service. Justin, did you meet Evan and Aaron? Evan, Evan, and Aaron. Aaron. Aaron nice, nice to, to meet, meet both of you too. Yeah. Hey, you're a Forest Service guy. I'm one of them. I got one other with me here. That's a gentleman walking over there. His name's Izzy. Right on. Yeah, he's my colleague, but yeah, two of us today. This is Justin. You actually heard his voice at the top of the episode. Justin Seastrand. I'm a supervisory natural resource specialist, and my working title is public services staff officer. Justin usually works out of the Angeles Forest Headquarters office in Arcadia, but today he's here, out on the trail, shovel and all. I think, Eric, like a lot of our volunteers, um, we have the commonality of of the mission of the Forest Service. Um, It's more than just trails that they like to mountain bike on. At least I get that sense from them. It's, It's the nature experience. It's the beauty. It's quiet sometimes. It is the thrill of mountain biking, I'm sure, for folks like Eric. That's a big part of it, but I think... Uh, They buy into our mission that we're maintaining this forest and trying to keep it healthy for future generations to enjoy as much as we do. How do you feel about that, Eric? Ah, boy. For me, it's very rewarding to come back and 
use the trails after you volunteered. You know, you go through sections that you spent a couple hours widening or cutting a large tree that was in the way. And it just really changes your relationship to the forest. Over the years of trail work, I've also found interacting with the Forest Service has been something I really have started to enjoy. Being adversarial uh, is it's a really different way of working than, than we have come at things. It's just really changed from things of feeling like, oh, well, the Forest Service is going to say no. The Forest Service is going to say no. Well, the more you talk to them, the more you come up with ideas and start to things. Um, it's what can we do together? Now that we've got a foundation of trust between the work that our volunteers do, the quality of work and dedication, we're now able to start projects and envision long-term changes because we can talk to them about it and they trust us. It makes me think a lot about kind of the intertwined nature of communities and just people on the ground and like the government, which we think of as like very opaque and like it's just this opaque thing that's not going to listen to us or something but really it's made up of people like you say and I wonder how how this relationship has affected your thinking around the role of government in maintaining trails forest recreation versus the role of people well it's all people it's all people you know it one a thing that I heard years ago, somebody told me that on the Angeles National Forest in the 80s, there was a dirt road maintenance crew of like 50 full-time people. And now there's like two people and the machinery's broken, you know? And part of the reason we have built this great partnership with the Forest Service and our collaborative agreement and stuff is... The Forest Service has really realized that they can't do all this anymore, and they need the volunteers. They've really seen the value of what the volunteers can do for them, and that's why it, I feel like there's been a change in the last decade or so of support for volunteers because the government can't do this. They just don't have time. And when we do get people, Forest Service, to come out on our trail work days, and it's fantastic when they do. It's great to have them out there for our volunteers. I feel like it... It makes us feel more legitimate in some ways. And it also, uh, I just think it's great for morale. So what, what made you trust Eric, aside from his good looks and his, his cute smile? <laughs> uh, I think Eric, like a lot of our volunteers, um, it's an opportunity to, to have shared stewardship. I could give you more of these, these buzzwords, but um, again, they kind of buy into the mission and they care about it just as much as, as our employees do. I don't really lament that, that needing more funding piece. I think most government agencies that you ask would say we could use more funding. You know, it's been that way for my whole career. I haven't known much else. As long as I've grown up in this business, we've been taught that we need to build outside partnerships. We need to cultivate relationships with volunteers. We need to listen and, and acknowledge that they may see things differently than those of us on the inside of the, of the agency. Can you kind of walk me through like a little history of, of trail restoration here and like what what increasing role are volunteer groups like the lowlifes playing in terms of trail restoration? Well, they've become far more important. We as an agency have become even more reliant on them because the wildfires have been very large. The scale at which they impact trails and recreational resources is way beyond what the Forest Service can do ourselves. We do have priorities, and right now our priority is modifying the landscape to make it less fire fire prone. And it can be challenging to 
make sure other programs like trails, recreation, and, and those types of things also get some attention. And so it has made us more reliant on, on volunteers and partner groups. And it, it looks for most of us in the inside as, as kind of a win-win. We get good work done out of it. They enjoy being out here. As you heard Eric say, they, they appreciate working together with us. All right, it has been a long day of trail building, but the lowlifes folk have a little treat for us back up at the top. Matt's on grill duty. Eric's in his van pressing masa into tortillas. There's a comically large tray of donuts on the table. All the volunteers, plus Justin, are hanging out in camp chairs for some well-earned trail tacos. Tacos, dude, tacos on a trail, like, volunteer thing? Well, we started out with always wanting to feed our volunteers because food's important, uh, especially after a really hard day. I actually got tired of store-bought tortillas, and I bought a press, and we've been hauling in masa and making handmade corn tortillas. It definitely elevates the, the game and the flavor, and everybody appreciates it. So when you are finally re-energized with the tacos, what are you feeling and what are you thinking? Because you just, like you said, you spent a whole day doing this volunteer work with other people who do it all the time. And then you get to like kind of experience their own journey, their own work. Well, one of the things that I thought to ask at like the very end was how many trail trips have they already done here, right? Because it felt like... I guess we were making decent progress and, and whatever and, you know, the little sections that we were working on. But I asked Matt how how many times they'd actually done this already. He said since April of uh, last year, they've put in 1,094 hours of work. Dang. So I was thinking of this as like, oh, cool, you la-di-da, you go and you build a trail and then you're done and you have your tacos. And like, no, they've been working on this for a year and they've got like several more trips ahead before um, the trail is like finally in a state where it can be, you know, fully opened up to the public. And that's just like so much more work that had to go into it than I would have expected. I feel like the more we do these episodes, the more I'm learning that we have to do our part like growing up you know we hear do your part to like preserve forest fires or preserve this now it feels it's so true right with the work we're doing uh it it just feels like our duty to our environment to the city honestly is like to give back to nature in the way that it gives to us even just the taco meal that you enjoy with folks it's community building and something I don't want to say as simple as a trail that you get to be outdoors with. It's something so precious for many people. And I think that it's a form for us to connect with each other. And I may not do it that often. You may do it, Evan. You may do it that often. But I do think it's a great way to preserve community and build community with paving something forward. Did you say paving forward? Paving it forward. I hear hear the pun. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll we'll leave it on that pun. Um, <laughs> uh, thanks for hearing my story. Oh yeah, Evan, come! I, I love hearing your stories, especially the nature geeky ones. So let's go outside. There you go. 
Well, thanks to you, Evan Jacoby, for producing this episode. And a special thanks to How to LA listener, Karen McHugh, who put us in touch with the folks at Low Life's Respectable Citizens Club. And to Aaron Stone for serendipitously joining me on this reporting excursion. Also to the Forest Service and the folks at Low Life's. How to LA is hosted by me, Brian De Los Santos. Our other team members include Erica Washington, Evan Jacoby, Megan Botel, Monica Bushman, and Victoria Alejandro. Additional production support by Jens Campbell. Our executive producer is Megan Larson. Our engineer is Hazmik Pagosian. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.